hello, friends. Welcome back to the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Kaylee Olson, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Meredith Brock. Hey, friends. Hello. Last time we recorded... We did this fun intro where Meredith tried to give like this drum roll verbally yeah, or something. Yeah, I like, would do the was, same, but it was I like WWF wrestling up in here. You know, just trying to just trying to keep it lively. Yes, folks. Yes, absolutely. Well, before we jump into the teaching, I wanted to remind our listeners. You know, if you're new around here, that Proverbs 31 is a nonprofit organization, and if you're familiar with nonprofits, the end of every year is really important for us because it's our last chance to raise the funds we need to keep doing what we do every day for the year. And y'all, this is the most humbling thing to talk about because Meredith and I are sitting right here knowing full well that it's because of the generosity of our donors that we get to produce this podcast and just do our jobs and join our coworkers every day to bring God's word to women who desperately need it around Mm -hmm. the world. And, you know, I'll promise I'll stop talking about this in just a second because I know y'all are here for the podcast content and we'll get to that. But before we go any further, I do want to ask you to consider giving back to the ministry. When you give, you're not only helping fund the part of the ministry that you enjoy, you're also helping us connect with other women around the world and helping them know and live the truth of God's word every single day. You can make a donation today by visiting Proverbs31.org and clicking the donate button. Okay, Meredith, on to the good stuff. Well, I have the privilege today to introduce our teacher and you guys know who he is. You've heard him before. Yes. It's my friend with the impossible last name (laughs) who often is featured on our therapy and theology series. Joel Mutamale. You nailed that it, Meredith. I know, right? I practiced beforehand. Oh, my goodness. I worked really hard at that. That's literally the best the best you've ever done it. Thank you. Killed I, it. I, oh. I feel really accomplished right now. It was worth all the hard work. <laughs> that was it great. really was. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, well, today, guys. we're excited to have Joel on, and we're going to talk about Advent. Yeah. And we're technically in the Advent season already as this episode releases, but we wanted to dedicate a podcast episode just to talk about what Advent is, what it isn't, and how it can be beneficial for us as believers. And Joel and I were talking about this um, and texting the other day while you were preparing for this. And he said, what would be the most beneficial? Like, what do people want to hear? And I had to think about myself because Mm -hmm. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. We didn't do Advent. Right. And I just want to know, like, this is for me just as much as it is for somebody listening. And certainly for me who didn't grow up in the church. So it it sounds so stuffy and yeah. formal to me and mm-hmm. I just really don't understand a lot around it. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm yeah. really excited to We're hear the excited. teaching today. Yeah. Well, Joel, your turn. Well, that's awesome. So I'm excited about this as well because I grew up in, um, I would say sometimes I felt like I grew up in a bit of two cities. Uh, mm. In the walls of my home, uh, those of you, if you could see me, I'm Indian. Um, is that Y'all knew that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I was suspicious, uh, from but India. Thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for confirming that. There you go. So uh, very important because in my household, um, we grew up uh, very culturally Indian. Yet when we walked outside of those kind of doors, right, um, everything was obviously very American, Western. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got used to, in a sense, living in the tension of these two cultural realities. Uh, and I think sometimes when we come across uh, a topic like Advent, um, we've talked about Lent before, we've talked about these different things that are traditions. It can feel so disconnected from our everyday mm-hmm. life. Right. You know, like, yeah. what is this? Why should I do this? And then I think mm-hmm. there's some misnomers, mm-hmm. um, particularly wait a minute, 
I don't know that I saw the word Advent show up in Scripture mm-hmm. anywhere. Right. And some of you all might be Googling right now or doing a word search and saying, mm, Joel. This is Advent in, in the Bible. Right, right. So <laughs> we're going to get to that. Don't uh-huh, worry. Uh-huh. Um, I, I want to talk about a couple things. But the first thing, just to start off with, um, I just want to assure everyone um, that Advent is not per se a biblical command, Mm. right? This isn't something that we're mandated to do. However, there are things that we do, not because they're mandated on us, but because they're just good for us. Mm. They have intentionality and purpose for us. Um, But before we get into Advent, uh, Meredith, we had an interesting experience a while back. I know I'm putting her on Uh the spot. She does not know. Um, And Meredith and I typically, if we're in team environments and we're playing games, Meredith is a very competitive person. I like to win. I am very competitive as well. Um, And so the other day, we walked into a mutual friend's house. Mm -hmm. And at the time of the recording, we are well before Thanksgiving. I just want to go ahead and put that out there for everybody. Uh, And we walked in, and I was just taken back by the Christmas trees and the lights. It was lovely. It was lovely. Some people call it lovely. Other people (laughs) call it, mm, I'm not quite sure. This seems a little much, right? Uh Um, And so our mutual friend Uh uh, happens to come around and say, isn't this so amazing? And I just was like, no. (laughs) What a Scrooge, people. Am I right? Um, Ladies, back me up on this. Would now be a bad time to let everyone know that my Christmas tree is up too? No, Uh, it's a great time. I mean, I am outnumbered. Again, once again in this ministry, always outnumbered. (laughs) Now, my kids have almost every year gotten me like pajamas that are like the Scrooge or like the Grinch. And so that is, this this could be a thing I need help with. They say pay attention to your patterns. (laughs) Sound like our friend Jim Cress. Okay. Um, Listen, but here's something that I was just thinking about. And, and, uh, I want. I, I'm a. I love to drink coffee, and this, the coffee cups are already like Christmas oriented. Mm, it's great, and it, it made me think, y'all, what happened to Thanksgiving? Hey, Thanksgiving is still happening. Do you remember what I said in I, our conversation? Please let everybody know, Meredith, what you said. Joel's response was, "It's not Christmas yet," and right. I said, "That's why we call it." The, the holidays, holidays yes. Joel. Yes. It's the holidays. Yes. It's the combination of Thanksgiving and Christmas. You can enjoy Christmas at the mm-hmm. same time you're enjoying Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Why do you have to isolate like that? Why are you isolating? Yeah. yeah. Well, I just think that our friend Thanksgiving <laughs> just got bypassed. No, completely. you enjoy it alongside thanks- Thanksgiving right. and Christmas. Right. That can happen at thanks the same time. Miss. It's lovely. So oh, there you have it. Thanks, Miss. That is so good. <laughs> Thank you. Haley. I'll be here all day. <laughs> this is good. Well, I began to think. Think, what is this an indication of in terms of our culture? Hmm. Like, 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 if we were to just in all serious now, yeah. take a step back and say, huh, why is it that we have decided to, for lack of better terms, market Christmas, yeah. get onto the shelves as fast as we can? What is that telling us about our culture? This is what it's telling me, and it's actually three little boys under, under the age of eight that are desperate for a Christmas tree to go up mm. because they know when the Christmas tree goes up, the presents go underneath the Christmas tree. And mm. then it is this anticipation, a longing, like we just need to get to Christmas Day. Uh-huh. Like we need mm. to open up these presents. And I began to think about this culture of immediacy. Mm. And we live absolutely in an unprecedented age and time when literally we can find answers to anything that we might want 
within a snap, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can wake up in the morning and go to our friend Alexa and say, Alexa, what's the weather like today? And Alexa will be like, well, Joel, it's partly cloudy with a chance of rain and you might want to grab a rain jacket, right? That's unbelievable. And then seven-day forecast, or I can open up my phone and go to Siri and say, Siri, um, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? And Siri would say, Michael Jordan. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, your husband, Mac, husband is going to have, have a serious opinion have about a that, <laughs> I know, but it's okay. Um, but the point is, and then we can get the stats. Like, we can find out all the things that we would need, and it is instant. Right. But here's my fear and here's my concern that I just want to maybe present to all of us as we talk about Advent. What is that doing to our souls? Hmm. What is that doing to our hearts? How is this forming us as people? And I want to suggest that we are all being formed by something, either actively or passively. And the question is, what are we being formed to? What are our hearts being formed to? What types of people are we becoming? And when we turn to and look at something like Advent, we find something that isn't necessarily described in Scripture. It's not a command for us to do in Scripture. In fact, when we look at the tradition of Advent, it's a little bit debated. Um, probably somewhere around the 4th or the 5th century is where we have the first instance of Advent show up in Spain and in Europe. The first written evidence came at this thing called the Council of Sergoza in AD 380. Um, and I mean, it it is ancient. Uh, Advent is celebrated across four Sundays that lead to Christmas. The bottom line is the tradition is tremendously old. But why was it present? What's the intentionality around Advent? So let's just dig in a little bit around Advent and then see how Advent seems to be a juxtaposition or a contrast to an immediacy culture. Mm. Uh, And then ask the question, well, if we were to partake in something like Advent, what is that doing for us? What is the benefit for us as people who love Jesus um, that it is causing? So Advent comes from a Latin word called Adventus, which literally means coming. And now this is where uh, we go, well, wait, was the Bible written in Latin? Because my Bible scholars out there are like, Joel, I don't think the Bible you're was... Off, you're off point here. <laughs> you're off point here, yeah. right? right? Uh-huh. Uh, no, the Bible was written in Hebrew, a little bit of Aramaic, and definitely Koine Greek. The Greek word for um, that translates into the Latin Adventus is parousia. And parousia refers to the first coming of Jesus and also the exact same word that's used to describe the second coming of Jesus. And so when Latin became the world language and the uh, translation process began to kind of take place in uh, church history, this was the word Adventus was used to describe the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And so now we have this idea that Advent was uh, a practice, a tradition that the church began to institute because they wanted to capture the tremendous moment of what is called the first advent or the incarnation, mm. Jesus's arrival into humanity. And if we think about that for a minute, that's pretty spectacular mm-hmm. that the invisible father, God, the father became visible a hundred percent 
in the Son. Mm. And that's the miracle of the incarnation, that Jesus enters into humanity. And yet, throughout the Gospels, Jesus is alluding to, especially when he leaves, he says, wait, I'm coming back in the exact same way that I left. Mm -hmm. So there's this sense of a second coming, a second advent. Um, And so this is so important for us because I think when we think about immediacy culture or the idea of we just need to get to the next best thing, I think about the people in the New Testament, particularly the disciples, that watch Jesus as he leaves and says, hey, I promise I'm going to come back in the exact same way. Well, they're left in a period of longing and waiting. Mm. They're left in a period of preparation, and they're given— a very specific task to go and make disciples of all nations. And yet in the back of their minds, I actually probably think it's in the forefront of their minds. They're also in a midst of eager expectation, anticipation for the risen Jesus to come back. Um, And so at this point, some of my skeptical friends will say, well, Joel, what's the purpose of Advent? Like, why should we even care about why the church celebrated? Why did the church decide to take four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day and the Christmas Sunday and then say like, okay, this is what we're going to do? Well, because the church wanted to put in place a practice of waiting. Hmm. And if I were to just summarize what is Advent, I would say, Well, it's a practice of waiting. Mm. Uh, And again, I don't know about you guys, Kaylee, Meredith. um, When was the last time y'all just practiced waiting? And we're like, yeah, I'm excited about practicing waiting. I'm terrible at waiting. (laughs) I really am. I'm a really, really bad waiter. So this is really challenging for me. Can I ask you just a super practical question before we jump into this? Because I'm not church. Like I didn't grow up in a church background. I genuinely don't know what is the practice of Advent. Yeah. Like you're this is the first time I've heard this. Yep. It's embarrassing. No. Uh yeah. I went to Bible college yeah. that and and I still didn't know what Advent was because it kind of felt like this stoic practice. Yeah. So I just stayed away from it. So you're telling me it was f- the four Sundays before Christmas. Yep. And what would happen? Like, yeah. what would you do? And you're saying it's the practice of waiting, but practically speaking, what would they do in the church on those four Sundays? So it's so vast and so different. Okay. So in the um, Western church, it's typically four Sundays. In okay. the Eastern church, they would do six Sundays, right? Okay, so wow. There's a so it even a, varies in that place. Yeah, absolutely, okay. based off of tradition. Um, some of y'all that come from a church tradition remember every Sunday leading up to Advent lighting a candle. And maybe your candles were different colors. I think there's purple and white candles. And I know that, nothing of this. This is very interesting. Exactly. Um, There's also scripture reading. And so traditionally what's happening on these four Sundays, and we've talked about this idea of the first Advent and the second Advent, what, what is happening is an anticipation and a longing in our hearts where we look back at the first Advent where Jesus comes, but then we're also being prepared for the promise of the second coming as well. Okay. So this could look different based off of your church tradition. Some churches... <clears throat> will take the promise of the second coming and the first two Sundays focus on the scriptural evidence for the promise of the second coming. So you're attuning your hearts in a sense to this promise that Jesus is coming back. Mm -hmm. But then Sundays three and four, the last two Sundays, you'll switch to the first advent. And now you're actually literally preparing yourselves for... The the celebration of the birth of Jesus, the cool. first wow. advent, the incarnation. Okay. Some churches will flip that script, right? They'll say, well, let's start with the first 
uh, coming, and then we'll go to the second. The point is, is it looks so different, but there's mm-hmm. always the sense of these four Sundays typically in the Western context, and there's always some type of preparation, scripture readings. There might be some type of symbolic activity done. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually know of some places where they eat candy, which okay. is interesting. I like candy. Yeah, I've gotten you know? the chocolate advent calendar before. You've got the chocolate okay. advent calendar, Someone right? Someone it to me one time. Um, there, if you're really into liturgy, like if your church comes into like a, a background of liturgy and, and kind of practice, uh, they'll have scripture readings for every day of Advent. So every day meaning in between the four Sundays? In between the four Sundays. So those days, and you mentioned the Advent calendar. Mm -hmm. So you'll have scripture reading that you can do individually or as a family. uh, And that prepares your heart as a a family or as individually to then walk into a church experience corporately. On a Sunday. On a Sunday. Okay. And then celebrate. So you're seeing that Advent can look a lot of different ways, um, and it has looked a lot of different ways over the course of church history, but it always has this common theme of an anticipation and a longing for Jesus. Mm. That's, I mean, I, because I didn't grow up in the church, this is all brand new to me. And, you know, I, I don't have, and I'm not like deeply um, rooted in much tradition mm-hmm. in my life in general, um, just because my family wasn't a traditional family. Yeah. Um, and so for me, just stepping back because I don't have the, um, kind of perception of what Advent could be connected to, because I know for some people it's like, it's super connected to this type of church. Right. And so I can't do it because I'm not part of that type of church. It feels really like good to me. Yeah. Like this feels like a good thing to do to like look at, to take some time set apart to say, I'm going to focus on celebrating that God came incarnate mm-hmm. in flesh yeah, and that he's coming again. And that he's coming again. Uh, and so let me to, to maybe take that a step further. Let me suggest three primary purposes or reasons behind Great. why celebrating Advent or um, observing Ab- Advent is another phrase that people might use is important. And these three are because Advent produces adoration, anticipation, and it aims our longings. Mm. So I'll just unpack that adoration. Um, our adoration is formed through the practice of patience, hoping with expectation and internal contemplation. Whoa, read that again. It was too good. Our adoration is formed through the practice of patience, hoping with expectation and internal contemplation. Wow. Uh, and here's where the rub really gets us. Because like you, Meredith, I don't like waiting for anything. Oh, Mm -mm. no, I want it right now. The practice of patience sounds miserable to me right now. Amazon Prime, one day, please. Can we just (laughs) pause and Mm -hmm. talk about the invention of Amazon Prime? (laughs) I know. Next day or same day delivery? Are we kidding right now? I know. But again, I want to go back to that introduction. What is this forming inside of us? What is it creating? And and here's what's taking place. Our formation, the way that we're being formed into or whom we're being formed into, it has direct consequences to how we view and read and interpret Scripture. Wow. And if we're not paying mm. attention to these big word presuppositions, if we're not being uh, attuned to what is happening in our brains and in our hearts, mm-hmm. we are liable to make some misreads mm-hmm. in scripture that we just don't realize is, oh my gosh, my culture has influenced me right. in this way. Wow. But as people who are citizens of heaven mm. residing on earth temporarily, actually what Jesus reminds us of in his high priestly prayer on 
earth as it is in heaven mm. is that we're actually supposed to bring, in a sense, the culture of heaven here. Yeah. And, and so now we've got this tension. And so um, uh, the purpose of one of the purposes of, of Advent is the sense of adoration. Uh, and we adore all kinds of things. Like we're an adoring people, mm-hmm. right? Um, we, you know, we just saw a sonogram. My wife and I are expecting our fourth and we saw the sonogram and we just like, there's just the oohs and ahs and, and just an adoration, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. an anticipation of this child who's going to be with us in a few months, you know, like, like it's exciting. We adore, um, you know, even when you're getting ready for Christmas and you open up, my wife's got this box of these um, ornaments that her grandmother gave her. Mm-hmm. And there's adoration for that because it mm-hmm. brings back these memories. And we probably all have different experiences or different things that we adore our children or f- our families. And, Adoration should also be primarily an adoration for Jesus, mm. you know? Um, and yet, I think sadly, I, I don't think about that often. Mm. I don't think about my adoration of Jesus. I think it's assumed, mm. but I don't know that it's actually enacted often yeah. because yeah. there's so many other things that are competing for my adoration. Um, and so how can we, I don't know, practice adoration. Mm. And so that's that second part here, that an opportunity for adoration can be found through contemplation. Again, contemplation is also one of those things that just feels like, what do y'all think when I say contemplation? Like, I'm just thinking monks, man. (laughs) Like, that's what goes through my head. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm thinking monks and like, I don't know, chanting. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what I'm thinking of. Right. Yeah. I think about meditation. Like how yeah. long am I supposed to contemplate? Like, mm. will you give me a deadline, please? And what does Five get, minutes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what does this An accomplish? Hour? What are we going to yeah. accomplish with this <laughs> contemplation thing? Right. <laughs> right. Because we're kind of achievers I and know. we've got tasks. Right. Gosh. We don't got enough time. Yeah. I got to hit right. Amazon Prime. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Um, but when we look at the story of Israel and we look at the people of God, we see a contemplative people. It's true. It's true. We see a people who, um, well, they didn't have the scriptures like we have them now. And so the way that they would tell the story of their origin of their people was, I imagine, around campfires. That's probably kind of what happened is they're mm. walking around the wilderness. Mm. And the older um, grandmas and grandpas are sitting around with the kids and they're saying, hey, let me tell you the story about this place called Egypt where our people were terrorized. Mm. We were enslaved. But God in his goodness, he parted the sea. And there's this story. Yeah. There's this con- And these children are listening to, who is this God that would love us so deeply mm-hmm. that he would free us from Pharaoh? Mm. That he would save us from the, from the chariots? You know? And, and so there's this sense of contemplation, of considering who is this God? Yeah. What is he doing in the course of human history? What is he doing for his people that he made in his likeness and in his image? Um, and they're going all the way back to Genesis 3.15. Uh, Genesis 3.15 is the very first promise of the gospel. So we know Genesis 3 is the fall, or maybe we don't know. In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates everything, and he creates Adam and Eve in his mm-hmm. likeness and in his image. And then in Genesis 3, the fall takes place. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve together sin. And when they sin together, humanity falls together, <laughs> right? And God says, I'm not going to leave you in a state of desperation. Genesis 3.15, it's a Latin, another Latin phrase, proto-eangelion. It simply means the first gospel. And gospel simply means good 
news. Yeah. Back in Genesis 3.15, God says, by the way, I'm going to promise that the enemy is going to be defeated and it's going to happen at the first advent, a.k.a. the incarnation, mm. a.k.a. Jesus, the God-man, entering yeah. into human history. I love Derek Kidner. He says that Genesis 3.15 is the first glimmer of the gospel. It's the fulfillment of that promise in the gospels through the incarnation. Wow. The second point or purpose is anticipation. Uh, we have to remember that we're living with expectation for something that has not yet been achieved or realized in its fullness. But we've actually tasted the first fruits of that object of our anticipation. So, for example, I shared already I'm Indian. We eat Indian food at holidays. Indian cooking takes all day, right? Like it is all day. And I get hungry all day. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's a struggle. Commitment. It's a commitment, yeah. you know? Um, and so I used to get into the practice. My mom makes this amazing, it's a dish called biryani. It's like this deep baked rice with meat at the bottom. It's just unbelievable. Y'all will have to try it sometime. But I would go and she would just kind of sneak out a couple morsels of the meat, Good job, you know, yeah, she knew and I'd play back but I'd come in and I'd be like, but here's what happened. I was even more hungry because mm. I knew that even though I had a little taste of that, that it was going to take a while before the actual plate was going to be set. Yeah. And so we have this anticipation and that's what happens with Jesus. The incarnation is the first taste. The, what Jesus does in humanity, conquering sin and death, it's a first taste of a final fruit, mm. right? And the finalness of this comes in the second advent or the second time that he'll come and he'll make all the things that are wrong right. And so we we live in this anticipation and sometimes we have to remember that what we're living in right now is not the end goal. Right. Because if we think that this is as good as it gets, Whew. that could be hard. Mm. Right. Mm. But we have to remember that we're a people who are living in anticipation of something so much greater, so much yeah. better. And that thing will take place when Jesus comes back. The last one is it aims our longings. So, mm. In the same way, when I take that bite of food and I'm like, oh, man, I want that so bad. Uh, I want that so bad. In the same way, during Advent, it reminds us that, in fact, we are to be a people who have hearts that long for Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and if our hearts long for Jesus, it's pretty amazing because our thoughts orient Along the lines of Jesus, our actions begin to reflect the actions of Jesus. Our relationships have a way of transforming into the types of relationships that Jesus would want us to have. And it all comes from this place of longing. I, I love Augustine. Um, he's a bishop of Hippo back in the day, uh, one of the early church fathers. And he said, th said this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Mm. And we're a people who are restless. Gracious, yes. I mean, we are running around. And if you think about it, we get all the things that we want at an instant in a dime. Yeah. But we're still restless. Yeah. Well, why? Because I think we haven't found our rest ultimately in the person yeah. of Jesus. Or That's we have right. to be reminded of that rest. And it is absolutely a tension to be managed. Mm. Um, this kind of brings us to maybe a suggestion that I, I would give us. Um, our longings are forming us into a type of people. And we often think of ourselves as being thinkers, right? We think something, and because we think it, we do it. But this is a crazy idea. I'm going to suggest that the human person isn't primarily a thinker, 
but we're actually primarily a lover. We're formed for desires, yet those desires are knocked off kilter at the fall. So when Mm -hmm. we look at the story of Scripture, we actually see a lot about the heart. We see a lot about the story of desires and longings Mm -hmm. and what is that doing for us. And so the story of Scripture seems to be in the Old Testament. The way that the Jews would have thought about the heart is the heart is not just a place of emotion, but it's the seat of the will, of Mm -hmm. the intellect. These two things aren't separate. They're actually one and the same. And so from the heart flows up to the mind, and in the mind, the thinking and action is produced. Mm -hmm. So what is happening with our hearts? Mm -hmm. What are our hearts adoring? What are our hearts anticipating? What are our hearts longing for? Um, And I think what happens at the fall is that our hearts, again, this comes from Augustine, our hearts are are pumps that produce love. At the fall, the pump doesn't turn off. It's actually knocked off kilter. Mm. And we begin to adore things that are not Jesus. We begin to anticipate things or long for things that are not Jesus. And those things always leave us dissatisfied. Mm. And so what happens in Advent is this incredible opportunity to reorient our hearts, to cultivate our hearts, to form our hearts into a type of people that can live on this side of eternity with the reality that Jesus did come back. Like Jesus came in the first Advent Mm. and he is absolutely coming back to right all the wrongs and rescue the broken and battered to himself under his banner, establishing his kingdom finally and fully. And so what defines us? Like what is it that we love? And the thing that we love will either produce true satisfaction or utter destruction. Mm -hmm. And Advent is a time that if we choose to partake in it, Mm -hmm. it's a time to reorient our hearts to our object of affection that can provide true satisfaction. Mm. And it's a time to practice patience. Mm. It's a time to consider and contemplate the work of God, the work of Jesus in our lives, Mm. and to long for the day that he will come back to right all the wrongs. Mm. Um, And so I think Advent is a special time that can be a great blessing for the people of God. That's so good. So good. So good. Kaylee, do you have any questions, yeah. thoughts? I'd love to hear well, from you. Well, I feel like I absorbed so much that I'm mm. like, I don't have a question necessarily, but just this overarching thought in my mind is that I've realized in the last 30 minutes how selfish I am mm. because as a believer, I compartmentalize mm. the special seasons that sometimes can kind of feel like seasons, especially if you grow up in the church. You know, there's Easter and there's Christmas. And so often I only think about Christmas at Christmas or I think about right. Easter at Easter. But this challenges me so much to not not do that just then, but mm. stretch Advent beyond four to six weeks. Make it all mm. year. Yeah. And you said, let's contemplate, you know, contemplating who Jesus is and what he's done for us and that he's coming again. Contemplating on that makes me remember the bigger picture to help me not remember that it's all about me, which I think is just the point of this. But for me, I want to make this a daily practice, not just something that I do, you know, once a year leading up to Christmas. I think that's really what is challenging me the most out of this. Well, and I think that's, that's the bottom line folks. Mm -hmm. If you're listening and you're trying to determine should I do Advent? Should mm-hmm. I not do Advent? Or is Advent for me? Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, is that whatever method works to point your adoration yeah. mm-hmm. back toward Jesus, 
use it. Mm -hmm. And if Advent is a marked moment in your life that you can say, this points my heart back to Jesus, to adore him, Mm -hmm. to live in expectation for him, then you should absolutely do Advent. Mm -hmm. But if, if it's not something that ushers in that sense of adoration and that sense of expectation, then you need to find another channel to do it because it's that important Mm -hmm. because from that sense of adoration and expectation is where the wellspring of life comes, which is your heart. And we want your heart to be aligned with Jesus and his word. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for your teaching, Joel. I think uh, a lot of people are going to walk away from this, um, challenged in a really, really good Mm -hmm. way, but also educated. I feel a lot more educated after listening to this because I really just didn't, I didn't understand what Advent was, where it came from, what does it look like, all that kind of stuff. So thank you for spending a little bit of time with us today. Really appreciate it. So much fun. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I think like you said, Meredith, this is, this helps us make sense of something that we might have a question about, which is what I love about what we do here. I know. You know, we have people like Joel and um, others on staff who are theological experts and they know God's word through and through and help us make sure what we're presenting is accurate and that we can have confidence behind what we do. And so thank you. Thank you again. Um, Meredith, do you want to start off our announcements as we wrap up? Of course, of course. Well, since we're talking about traditions and I am learning how to create some traditions for my family, I wanted to introduce you guys to two things that Proverbs 31 is offering this year. Um, It's exclusive to Proverbs 31. You can't find it anywhere else. And that is we have an olive wood nativity set that is so cute, you guys. I love it so much. It's just neutral tones. It's a beautiful piece that if you don't have a nativity set in your home at Christmas time and you're looking for something like that to really recognize and to decorate your home, um, I'd encourage you go check it out. The other thing is this really cool. I'm excited about this because I just moved into a new neighborhood um, this year for Christmas. It's the sweetest story cookie baking kit. And it is a product that was developed by Lisa Turker, something that she used to do with her children, Mm -hmm. where it talks you through really the gospel by making cookies and you're able to do it with your kids. And then it comes with these sweet, cute little gift tags that you can make the cookies. It has the, Mm -hmm. um, directions for making the cookies and all the ingredients and stuff like that. And then these little gift tags that you can take a plate of them to your neighbors Mm -hmm. and kind of have the opportunity to tell them the gospel. Um, And it teaches your kids the gospel, how to actually tell the gospel story. So go to Proverbs31.org to our little shop button and you can find both of these products because they're really great tradition starters if you're anything like me and looking for those. Absolutely. Well, I know at the very beginning we mentioned giving to Proverbs 31 at the top of the show, but another way that you can support us financially is doing exactly what Meredith just said That's and right. shopping on p31bookstore.com. And every purchase you make supports the ministry and help helps us continue to get free content like this podcast out to the world. So, you know, if you would rather shop, know that you are shopping and helping us. That's right get Jesus out to more people at the same time. Um, Well, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We pray that this helps you know the truth of God's word and live that truth out, because when you do, it changes everything. See you next time.